Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. On this edition, with Taylor out sick, Blake goes solo. We talk about Mike McCarthy getting fired from the Green Bay Packers, Kareem Hunt's release from the Kansas City Chiefs. We recap the huge, big, awesome heavyweight title championship fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. We preview UFC 231, and we talk the Philadelphia Eagles. Plus, our weekly segments of Power Rankings and Weekly Picks. Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 87, begins right now. Yeah. Microphone check. Look. Uh. All we do is go, go, go. Case you didn't know, no, no. Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, we on for show. With the host Black and Taylor. You already know they down for whatever. When it comes to sports, there ain't no jokes. Already know that they into, so you better come in tune in. Cause you know what this about. Gonna make you scream and shout with all the nasty news. This the dynasty, cause you don't know the breaking rules. Telling you what it do's. Giving you the insight and best believe they're doing it right. Every day and every night. Only question is, yo, is you ready to take flight? Greetings, greetings. Welcome in everyone to another edition of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio episode number 87. How's it going everybody? A little late this week with the episode recording today on Saturday, December 8th, 2018. Taylor and I were going to record on Wednesday like normal. We were both ill, sick. We tried to give each other a couple of days to get better. Taylor's not better, but I am. So, with you here today, going solo, is your host, Blake Plotsky. Thank you for joining me, as always. Taylor, hopefully, will be back next week, so worry not. All right, everybody, without further ado, without Taylor to banter here with, back and forth for a couple of minutes, let's get right into the nitty-gritty everything that you guys want to hear about. First up on the docket, we've got... Mike McCarthy getting fired from the Green Bay Packers after 13 years as head coach. Mike McCarthy as head coach went 125-77-2 in his head coaching career with the Green Bay Packers. That is regular season coaching record, not including playoffs. And he won the, the Super Bowl in 2010, which, which uh, Super Bowl that was, I do not recall, but was Super Bowl champion in 2010. For me, I think Mike McCarthy getting bounced, getting his pink slip, getting fired, whatever phrase you want to use, I think was a long time coming. For me personally, I think I think he stayed around too long, for, for my taste. Being a Philadelphia Eagles fan, lifelong, if I was a Green Bay Packer fan, I would have wanted him gone sooner. Speaking from an outsider looking in, I think Mike McCarthy overstayed his welcome. And this might be harsh, but there comes a time like with Andy Reid with the Eagles, if I may go back to the Philadelphia Eagles for a second, in comparison, that 
your message stops working. In the Andy Reid's case, the players just stopped listening to him, and not for any fault of Andy Reid. It just, at some point, you need a new voice, and you need some new guys in there, and it's just how it works. I'm not going to lay the blame on the feet of Aaron Rodgers. I'm just not. Yes, part of the record of the Green Bay Packers this year is partially Aaron Rodgers' fault. Aaron Rodgers is, as Taylor and I have both mentioned on air before multiple times, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest thrower of the football that we, Taylor and myself, have ever seen. So that you you need some culpability there. But the Green Bay Packers are still too pass-heavy. And some people would say, oh, but you have Aaron Rodgers. But, But you need a good balance. For a long time, going back to Andy Reid one more time, for a long time in the 2000s, the Eagles were 60% plus pass rate and 40% run rate, and that's that's on the high end. It's lower than that. I'm giving I'm giving a couple of uh, percentage point notches to the Eagles for those years. It was very skewed. And not to say that Aaron Jones is the bee's knees of running backs, but even if you use a different running back than Aaron Jones, you need to get some run game going. Any team that's successful normally has a decent enough run-pass ratio. Excuse me. Look at New Orleans this year. New Orleans is arguably the top team in the NFL. They have a pretty good split there. They had a pretty good split when they won the uh, Super Bowl in 2009. So I'm just saying that while it's not a foolproof formula, it does work. So again, I, I think that Mike McCarthy just overstayed his welcome. And this year, ownership just finally just said, okay, you know, we've had enough. And I get the people that say, you know, we should have waited Uh, Till the end of the season. I get that. Um, You know, there's not much that you can save from the season at this point. But it was just time for him to go. And he was going to go regardless. It's just a matter of on Sunday or, you know, at the end of the season. It was a mere formality, pretty much. And I don't know. So I'm not entirely sure of who is going to be the next coach. Um, I've heard rumblings of Jim Harbaugh, uh, the head coach of uh, Michigan in college football right now. I kind of like that idea. I do. I kind of like that idea. If I were a Green Bay fan, I would like that idea. I don't like that idea as a Philadelphia Eagles fan being a uh, being in the same conference and whatnot, having to play the Green Bay Packers. But I like the idea from a neutral standpoint. And um, that's the news there for you. Mike McCarthy fired after 13 years, heading the Green Bay Packers as the head coach. Up next, uh, a couple of days prior to that, huge news. TMZ releases a video, gets a video of a hotel-like establishment, gets a hold of it, pays the money for it, releases it to the public. It is of Kareem Hunt abusing a female 
I won't go into the gory details of it. I do not have every detail of it. But the situation was, video gets released. Uh, this is in maybe mid-afternoon. And by evening time, early evening time, the chief said, we are not going to deal with this. You lied to us when we discussed it uh, before, when it originally happened. And you're gone. The Kansas City Chiefs released Kareem Hunt within hours. The reason that they gave was when they brought Kareem Hunt in uh, to have an internal investigation and give him a chance to say his part of the story. He lied. He blatantly lied about what happened and what was on that video that got released. As the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs... Oops, excuse me, that's... Sorry about that, everybody. That was an alarm on my phone. I apologize, sincerely. I normally have two alarms that go off uh, in 15-minute intervals, so I will mute the other one before that one goes off. Uh, sorry about that, everybody. My apologies. Back to, back to Kareem Hunt. The Kansas City Chiefs couldn't have egg on their face. And the part is, is that Kareem Hunt didn't tell the truth. He might have gotten less. He might have still gotten released. So that I don't think that that wouldn't have happened. But he could have made it less so of the way that it made him look if he would have just been honest. But he lied. And the Chiefs said, you lied to us. We're not taking the fall for this. You're gone. Bye-bye. Kareem Hunt now has cleared waivers. Uh, it was said that there were a couple of teams looking at him, picking him up off of waivers. One that I did see was my Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Kareem Hunt is talented. Um, I think he's going to get another shot uh, for that reason, because that's just how the world works. That said, I will give Kareem Hunt one... Uh, piece of credit here. He showed contrition, which I didn't expect. I didn't know what to expect. He apologized. He showed contrition, which is more than I can say for a lot of people in the world that we live in, no matter what your profession or just talking professional sports here. Greg Hardy kind of comes to mind of not showing contrition after everything that he did to his former uh, partner in life. And Kareem Hunt is now, according to reports, uh, taking uh, anger management classes and taking, um, uh, I'm not sure, a class for uh, domestic violence. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's even a thing. I, I don't know. It could, very well could be. There's probably a class for everything. So I don't know exactly what it is, if it's anger management or what or whatnot. But Kareem Hunt is getting help. So I will give him his due and his credit for that. His actions are abhorrent. And they are inexcusable. But as I said, the NFL is a money-making machine. It's a talent-based business. Kareem Hunt being as young and talented as he is, he's probably going to get another shot. Sometime after next year, probably maybe... Toward, maybe closer toward the start of the 2019 season. 
But I give Hunt credit at least for showing contrition, apologizing, seemingly being sincere about it. Normally you can see whether a person's sincere or not. I think he was. He's in classes now, getting help. And you know what? That's better than I can say for a lot of people. All right, everybody, we will move right along to our fight news of the week. The first up, the big boxing match, the heavyweight title is on the line, WBC heavyweight championship. The title holder, Deontay Wilder, versus the returning, after a three-year absence, I'm going to ignore Tyson Fury's warm-up fight here. I'm just going to ignore it because I, I don't register that. Tyson Fury... Uh, let, let me give you some background on this first. Tyson Fury uh, was heavyweight champion at one point three years ago. And he suffers from mental health issues uh, by his own admission. He's extremely honest and open about it. He will tell you anything that you want to know about it. He's completely open and an honest uh, human being. He, after he won... He fell down a rabbit hole. He started doing cocaine. He got addicted to cocaine and alcohol and just completely spiraled downward. He almost drove his vehicle off a bridge because he wanted to die. He wanted to kill himself. And he was at his wits end. He was on the top. He was at the top of the world and at his wits end. It truly shows that you don't have to be an ordinary person to suffer from things that, say, an average Joe like you, the listener, or me, or Taylor, or someone in our family suffers from. That anybody on this planet can suffer from the same ailments that we all can suffer from. And I think we all can be sympathetic, or, or at least empathetic, to that. So, uh, that's just a little background on that. Tyson Fury comes back, or Tyson Fury is uh, driving around at one point. And Deontay Wilder says, don't chicken out, fight me. And he calls him out on uh, Instagram or YouTube, some video that he posted. And that's what ignited the, the fire in Tyson Fury again. It ignited the fire in him. And he said, okay, enough. He said, I want to live. I, I want to fight. And thus, leading up to uh, this weekend, it was a wild affair. I didn't know what to expect from Tyson Fury. Deontay Wilder, a big dude, 6'8", 225 pounds. Tyson Fury is the biggest challenger that Wilder's ever fought. 6'9", Tyson Fury himself, 252 pounds, which, which is another thing of the Tyson Fury story. When he won his last heavyweight title fight before everything in his life happened, he was 300 pounds. He entered the fight. It showed that he wanted to fight. It showed that he was serious. He was 300 plus pounds the last time he won the title. And he showed in at 252. Now, he wasn't exactly cut and he never has been. But still, that's 50 plus pounds to cut and say, I am dead serious about this fight. I want to win. He goes in, and it starts out, Deontay Wilder, you know, kind of had, Deontay Wilder fights really interesting like. He fights with his jab hand, which is his left hand because he's an orthodox fighter. 
he fights with his jab hand lower, kind of like toward his stomach a little bit. So like his jab hand isn't protecting the left side of his face. And he's always got that right hand cocked. He's always got that right hand just ready to just throw it at any, any moment's notice. I will agree with something that a lot of other people have said about Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder has maybe the biggest power punch that I've ever seen in combat sports. Boxing, MMA, Muay Thai, kickboxing, doesn't matter. Guy's got huge power and he can land it. A fight can be over at any single second. Tyson Fury comes out. Let me grab my score here. Tyson Fury comes out and... He showed me something that I haven't seen in a long time. Great heavyweight defense by somebody who was out of the sport for three years. I didn't, again, I didn't know what to expect. I knew that he had good defense, but I'm thinking, okay, he wasn't exactly training the entire time. Okay, you know, what is he going to be rusty? You know, what is he going to look like? Tyson Fury made Deontay Wilder miss. And let me let me explain how. Let me scroll down in my notes here. Fury outboxed Wilder a total of punches, uh, 84 to 71. Uh, Fury was never below 19% in all punches for a round. So that's jabs, that's power punches, that's everything. Was never below 19% for any for all punches in a round. Deontay Wilder landed just 17 of his power shots, while has landed 55% of his last eight fights, which have been all heavyweight title fights. He's been the champion for that long. In every other fight, he has landed 55% of his power shots with that bit with that huge right hand. Fury made him miss and miss and miss again, landing just 17% of his power shots. Fury was toying with Deontay Wilder so much that that Fury, as he's standing in front of Wilder, he would extend his arms out to his sides and saying, you know, come come in and come at me. He would put his hands behind his back and lean his chin out. And the biggest, the biggest taunt that I that I've seen in a while. Tyson Fury put his hands behind his back again, put his chin out, which as a fighter, I mean, even a beginner, you know, tuck your chin, tuck your chin in. Because if you have your chin out and you get clipped, you can get knocked out quick, fast and in a hurry. Tyson Fury puts his chin out for Wilder to hit it, sticks his tongue out and wags his tongue at Deontay Wilder. I, I was sitting there going, oh my. He was saying, Deontay, you can't hit me. Throughout this entire fight, you can't touch me. And I will taunt you a foot in front of your face because you know you can't hit me. Going in later in the fight, so this is a huge defensive performance by Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury won all rounds of, let's see here, four, six, eight. Tyson Fury, in the first eight rounds, he won seven of eight. I gave uh, Deontay Wilder round number two, but gave Fury every other round besides that. 
in the eighth round. Wait, eighth round, uh, ninth round, sorry, ninth round, uh, miscounted here. Wilder hit Fury, hit him, not, 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 not as clean as he would have liked. He didn't knock Tyson Fury out. Tyson Fury kind of dropped to one knee a little bit. He was still, you know, cognizant, obviously. But that's a knockdown. A knockdown is a 10-8 round. So a 10 for Deontay Wilder, an 8 for Tyson Fury in that round. Tyson Fury goes on to win the next two rounds, 10-9. In the 12th round, these guys are still throwing everything and the kitchen sink at each other. Wilder loads up his right hand, and he clocks Tyson Fury as hard as he can. And as Tyson Fury's fallen down, Wilder comes in over the top with a left hook for good measure. He, I thought Tyson Fury was out cold. Out cold. Now, when I showed my father the still shot of the picture of Tyson Fury with his arms laid out and just looking up at the ceiling... My father pointed out something to me that I didn't see in the live video. Tyson Fury isn't out completely with his legs stretched out below him. His right knee is bent with his foot on the canvas. So Tyson Fury is still there to a point. But the point is, is that if you don't get up at the referee's 10 count, you know, you know, you're knocked out anyway. You, you can't win. You lose. Tyson Fury somehow gets up when the referee counts nine. Tyson Fury stands up. The referee grabs his gloves, you know, to kind of, they grab the gloves to kind of center the fighter and to kind of give him some uh, balance a little bit. He says, look at me, put, put your gloves on my shoulders. He pointed to the corner. He said, walk toward the corner and walk back so he could see, you know, fighter uh, Fury, excuse me, his equilibrium. And eventually he said, Tyson, can you continue? Tyson said, yes. And the, and the ref said, okay. He let him go. And this is about a minute and a half left in the fight. And so the fight goes to a decision. The fight is scored after everything that I've said. So I haven't really mentioned Deontay Wilder, have I? Uh, I don't believe I have. So keep that in mind. The fight is scored a split decision draw. It basically means, uh, sorry about that, everybody. It basically means, uh, so there's a winner for from two judges, and one judge is calling it a draw. So that automatically wins that whoever was champion coming into the fight, being in this case Deontay Wilder, retains his title and is champion. Okay, now for the scores. Uh, along with the score for uh, Showtime and for uh, uh, another one I was watching, uh, CBS Sports, I think it was, and a third one, I can't remember. I had it 115-111 uh, for Tyson Fury. So I had Tyson Fury winning 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 rounds. Or uh, 10 rounds, excuse me, 10 rounds. No, yeah, nine rounds, yep, nine rounds, so nine rounds, and I gave Wilder the, the second round, so 10-9, and then Wilder obviously wins the two rounds that he knocked Tyson Fury down. 
that still equates to 111-115. Tyson Fury got robbed of a storybook ending. It, it, again, everything that I've said, I don't I don't don't need to repeat it. That's a storybook ending, a great story, and he got robbed of it. And it's all because of well, let's just call a spade a spade and put it out there. Boxing wants more money. It's a money fight. Oh, both fighters still haven't lost, and they drew against each other before, so we'll have them fight next year. And that's what it is. It's It sucks. It was it was terrible, and um, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Glad I got it off my chest finally. I was extremely upset that night, and I'm glad that we're doing this a week after the fact, because if I would have done this that night, I who knows what would have happened. All right, everybody, moving on to our other piece of fight coverage here. Your preview of UFC 231 tonight. Again, December 8th, 2018. Let's start with the card. Uh, I didn't, I, I wasn't able to get Taylor's fight picks, so I apologize. It'll just be mine. I do have Taylor's weekly picks, so I will read them uh, out loud alongside mine. Uh, and Taylor, for the record, I will say this when we get to fight to uh, weekly picks. Excuse me. Taylor is uh, only two back after the big week that he had last week. Uh, he's one win and one loss uh, back from me. I'm still leading, but he is behind by two. We will get to that. First up, opener on the card. Tiago Santos versus Jimmy Manoa. Tiago Santos is 19-6, 13 KOs, one submission, Five decisions, a black belt in Muay Thai, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a green rope in Caparilla, Caparilla, yeah, I, I butchered that one. I, I had it written down and I can't really read my writing. It's a Brazilian martial art that involves uh, dancing and fighting, pretty much. Definitely look it up. It's very interesting. And before... He became a mixed martial artist. Tiago Santos was actually a Brazilian paratrooper in the Brazilian military. So that's interesting. We always got all the information here on Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, everybody. Uh, facing off against Jimmy Manawa, 17-4 with 15 KOs, one submission, one decision, and is a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I used to be a big fan of Jimmy Manawa, not to say that I'm not now. I, I'm not I'm not saying that. Jimmy Manawa has fallen on uh, hard times. Um he's lost a couple of couple of tough ones. In the last two, he's lost to Jan Blukowitz uh and Vulcan Ozdemir. Um let's see here, and then three in his last five. He did beat Jan Blukowitz uh before. On uh, April 11th, 2015. So since that win, he is 3-3. Three and three. So again, he, he used to be the next big thing in MMA. He's 3-3 three and three in his last six. He's 38 years old. I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. I got to go with Tiago Santos here. He's young. He seems hungry. Uh, trying to load up. I like Tiago Santos's dumb, well, 
I like the way he fights coming into this. Um, he doesn't have a ton of big wins on his resume. He did beat Jack Marshman, uh, Anthony Smith, lost to David Branch on April 21st, 2018, earlier this year, has beat young up-and-comer Kevin Holland. Um, I just think that Tiago Silva, he's young. Um, he's uh, very, very proficient in every aspect of mixed martial arts. Excuse me. I'm going to take Tiago Santos here. Let me mark that one down. Take Tiago Santos. Up next, uh, Hakeem Dewadu versus Kyle uh, Buchniak. Uh, Hakeem is 8-1-1, one, one, six KOs, two decisions. Uh, interesting little tidbit about Hakeem Dewadu. Uh, he had a troubled childhood. His counselor... Uh, had him take Muay Thai to be able to control his anger issues. He turned Muay Thai into kickboxing, which turned kickboxing into his mixed martial arts career. In his kickboxing career, Hakeem Duwadu is 42-4. and four. Pretty nice record there. Uh, Kyle Bushniak. Bushniak is the man who fought Zabib Magomed Sharipov. Say that name five times fast. Earlier this year, he's 8-3 with two KOs, two submissions, four decisions, and it's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That was an eye-opener for me. On this one, um, I mean, I obvi obviously, Hakeem Dewadu wants no part of Bushniak on the ground, obviously. He wants to keep it standing with everything that he's got going on with his kickboxing, Muay Thai, and his six out of eight wins by KO. He definitely wants to keep it standing. So hopefully his wrestling, his Brazilian jiu-jitsu isn't too much, too slouch as far as compared to Kyle Bushniak. Um, I'm going to take Hakeem Duwadu. I'm going to say he's going to be able to keep the distance, keep Bushniak at bay. I don't really like Bushniak uh, as a striker. So I think that Duwadu is going to get the better of the stand-up exchange. I'm going to say Hakeem is going to use that, use his range, use the cage to his advantage, and win the fight. I will take Hakeem Duwadu. Alex Oliveira versus Gunnar Nelson. Alex Oliveira is 20-5, and 5, 13 KOs, 4 submissions, 3 decisions, a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and a dark blue par side in Muay Thai. Uh, and... Uh, Apparently, I said black belt in Muay Thai. Okay, I, I apologize. I, miss, I misspoke uh, with uh, Santos earlier. I apologize. Gunnar Nelson, 16-3, and three, three KOs, 12 submissions, one decision, a black belt in Gujuru Karate, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. A big, big exclamation point that I put on my notes is, is that Gunnar Nelson has not fought in 17 months. I tried to figure out why. I, I searched high and low for any sort of reasoning that I could include in your fight preview here. I couldn't find it. So Gunnar Nelson is coming in very, very rusty. No, again, no tune-up fights. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Sorry about that, everybody. Gunnar Nelson, no tune-up fights. Hasn't fought in 17 months. But Gunnar Nelson is extremely good on the ground. 
Oliveira only being a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Gunnar Nelson having a black belt in Gujuru Karate. I, Gunnar Nelson is a name that a lot of people don't really say too often and kind of overlook. Uh, Oliveira has heavy hands. I, oh boy. I, again, hasn't fought in, he hasn't fought in 17 months though. That's huge. I, and not that he hasn't been training, but I'm going to take Alex Oliveira. Just the 17 months, that's too much for my blood. Co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko. Versus Joanna Joncheczek. 15 and 3 for Valentina Shevchenko. 4 KOs, 7 submissions, and 4 decisions. Two of Valentina's three losses have come to current UFC women's champion of, um, uh, not featherweight, uh, but, 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 I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me. I sincerely apologize to Amanda Nunes. Two of her three losses. Valentina Shevchenko has come by the way of the hands of Amanda Nunes. That is no small potatoes. Amanda Nunes is a huge force, a beast in the octagon and in mixed martial arts. There is no shame in losing to Amanda Nunes. That's my point. In Valentina Shevchenko's uh, very uh, credited kickboxing career, she was 56-2 and two in kickboxing. So that's a little eye-opening. Over to Joanna John Jacek. I know I've probably told you guys, the fans of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, probably everything there, there is to know about Joanna John Jacek and my little uh, uh, enjoyment of her, but we'll leave that alone for now. 15-2, and two, four KOs, one submission, 10 decisions. Her two losses in her career have come by way of another women's Weight class champion Rose Namajunas. That's also no slouch to lose to Rose Namajunas. She's at the top of her career. In kickboxing, Joanna Chun Jacek is 20 or 27, excuse me, I almost said 23, 27 and 3. And in Muay Thai is 37 and 3 in Muay Thai for her career. Uh, she had a tune up fight after the two losses to Rose Namajunas. Uh, Tisha Torres. <sighs> I keep picking Joanna because of, well, listen back to other episodes. <laughs> um, Taisha Torres is not that great. Joanna John Jacek looked like her old self, but I need to see more. This is a huge step for Joanna John Jacek to. Get back to where she was. I'm actually going to go with Shevchenko. I hate not picking Joanna Chonchechek. I normally always do. I hate not doing it, but I can't. I just, if she wins, I'm back on the Joanna uh, train. Joanna, if you hear this out there, I'm a fan. I will always be a fan. I just, I need to see you dominate tonight. Be the Joanna Chun Jacek of old. Show no fear. Be fearless. Go in. Use your Muay Thai and kickboxing. Use the cage. Use your reach. Just get it done. If Joanna wins this fight, that puts her 
right back on top of the mountain on her, the queen back on her throne, as I've said before, uh, as she rightfully belongs. All right, everybody, your main event, your featherweight title fight, Max Holloway, your reigning featherweight champion versus the undefeated Brian Ortega. Max Holloway is 19-3 and three with nine KOs, two submissions, eight decisions, is a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, is on a 11-fight, five-year win streak. Now, the five-year win streak is predicated on tonight. I will say that. So it's 11, it's 11 fights, four years, which makes it sound even better and more impressive. I just threw in five years, not to say that, that I'm previewing my pick, or giving it away. I'm just saying I kind of just threw it in there. And I'm like, well, it's close enough. But uh, we're, we're really uh, sticklers for that kind of thing here on Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. So we will say 11 fights in uh, 11 wins in four years for a four-year win streak of 11 fights. Brian Ortega, as I said, is undefeated 14-0. Three KOs, two submissions, four decisions, is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and is on a eight-year win streak ever since he started his career, being that he's 14-0 and has uh, lost uh, to nobody. This fight is going to be fireworks tonight. I can't wait. Brian Ortega can throw with Max Holloway. Max Holloway is a complete fighter. I think if Brian Ortega gets Max Holloway on the ground, Max Holloway is in trouble. I think so many people have been overlooking and maybe even disrespecting Brian Ortega on the ground, and that's not a smart move. I, hmm, I'm actually going to go upset and take Brian Ortega tonight. Something tells me that that's going to happen. I can't explain why. All right, everybody, that has been your UFC 231 fight preview for tonight, December 8th, 2018. We will move right along into our weekly Philadelphia Eagles coverage. We beat Washington quite handily on Monday Night Football this week. And you know what? I liked the look of the team. I liked it. Uh, We were able to control the ball, control the clock. Carson Wentz had 306 yards, two touchdowns, one errant pick. The pick was very egregious. He threw it. He should have seen Josh Norman coming over the top, undercutting the route. He should have seen it. He never should have thrown that ball. That was completely on Carson Wentz. No one to blame but him. Josh Adams had another big week, 20 carries, 85 yards. I mean, just Josh Adams is finally getting the recognition he deserves. And Peterson, a couple of weeks ago when he says Josh Adams can be that LeGarrette Blunt type, he can be the guy. And finally, Peterson is showing his faith in Josh Adams, an undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame. I'm loving Josh Adams right now. Golden Tate had 85 yards. Zach Ertz had 83. Nelson Aguilar had 56. Corey Clement actually had 47 yards receiving himself. But the big thing about this about this game was the defense. The defense shut out Washington throughout the entire second half. All of the 13 points that Washington scored came in the second quarter. Every other 
drive, every other possession, zero points on the board. The Eagles won 28-13, very convincing. Unfortunately, the win over Washington helps the Minnesota Vikings in their playoff hunt due to the fact that Washington was ahead of the Vikings as far as record is concerned. Minnesota Viking fans, Taylor, you are welcome. I will never want the Eagles to lose for a reason like that. I will never say out loud that I want my team to lose. I'll never pick against. I just, it's not in my blood. It's not how I was raised as a sports fan. I can't do that. So Minnesota Vikings fans, Taylor, once again, you're welcome for beating Washington so handedly. A big thing, as I said, shutting out the uh, shutting out Washington rather was the defense. The defense actually didn't play a ton of a ton of snaps. Funny enough, we were able to control the the, the words control the clock really well. Uh, the high count for defensive snaps was 45 played by Malcolm Jenkins, Corey Graham, Nigel Bradham, Rasul Douglas, Sidney Jones, er, and Sidney Jones. The uh, next lowest on the rung was Fletcher Cox, who played 40, 40 snaps with a percentage of 89% of defensive snaps. Keeping the defensive defense fresh, excuse me, that was huge in the game. Colt McCoy goes down, playing against Mark Sanchez. You know what? It happens. And you know what? You have to play. The, the players who come in for injured players have to play the game. They have to be ready to come in and win. So you can't say, oh, the Eagles beat this, they beat that. You have to play the guys that are in front of you. That's not our fault. You got to win. You got to play to win. Just like on Sunday, playing the Dallas Cowboys. Got to go to Jerry World, play to win, and win that game to keep our playoff hopes alive. But I really liked what I saw out of this game, there's there's no real bad thing to say about this game other than that Wentz interception that he should have seen. Josh Norman undercutting the route. He should have seen that coming. He should have seen that the entire way. He didn't. He threw the interception. That was really the only bad thing that happened on, in this game. Another thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, Nate Geary, the interception that he had. So he picks off one ball from Mark Sanchez, right? So that's one play. Nate Geary only played on 11 snaps, so 24% of defensive snaps. So one of those 11 plays was an interception. Nate Geary making definitely use of his time on the field. All right, everybody, and that really does it for your Philadelphia Eagles coverage. As I said, I don't really have a ton to say, didn't really have a ton to go into. Uh, I like the game. I like the way we played. And really the point is, is that our offense kind of really was equaled out, running, passing attack, pretty even. And the defense kind of turned it around. Again, against Washington, yes, but you gotta you gotta win those games. Those division games are the ones that matter. Those are the most important ones on the schedule. The division games and then the games within your conference, which in this case would be the NFC, which is also where Washington is in the division and in the conference. So you got to win those games. That's no slouch, no small potatoes, no small of a win, no matter what anyone says, and everyone pulled their own weight. Really good win. All right, everybody. Our final two normal topics, normal segments for the week, our power rankings. With Taylor not here, I will just get mine. 
Uh, I did not ask Taylor for his power rankings, so that's not on him. That's on me. Uh, we will go with bottom five first, as we normally do. 32, I have the Oakland Raiders. 31, I have the 49ers. 30, I have the Buffalo Bills. 29, I have the Cleveland Browns. And 28, I have the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals, you'll notice if you listen every week, at, uh, for those of you out in listener land, the Arizona Cardinals moved up a couple of spots. Yes, they beat a bad Green Bay team this year, being that they, Green Bay only has four wins. But they went into Lambeau, into Green Bay's house, and still pulled off the win. That's no small potatoes winning against a, a um, credible team like the Green Bay Packers, having a down year or not, going into Lambeau, tough place to play in the winter, in cold weather. Got to give the Cardinals some credit. Top five for me. Uh, five, I have the Chargers. Four, I have the Saints. Yes, before anyone says anything, I had the Saints number one last week. I did not like what they showed against the Dallas Cowboys, if they showed anything at all, for that matter. Not to say, not to give the Dallas Cowboys credit, I did not like what the Saints showed me. Give the Cowboys credit, but I didn't like what the Saints showed me more. It was concerning to me. So I dropped them a couple of spots. They still are in the top five. So everybody, please save your hate messages. Just save them, please. Hopefully that explanation will suffice. Uh, number three of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, definitely liked what I saw from the Chiefs, especially after releasing Kareem Hunt, not having you know a, a very adequate backup. No disrespect to, to uh, uh, Kendrick West, I think is his name. I apologize even if I got his first name wrong. I guess that really proves my point. I mean, to a degree. And Patrick Mahomes still says, I can still lead this team. We can still win. The defense is still here. One player leaving this team will not change our end goal for the year, which is the Super Bowl championship. So the Chiefs are at number three. I liked what they showed. The Patriots are at number two. I liked what the Patriots showed against the Vikings. Again, the Vikings, while being an up-and-down team this year, uh, you know, not really having that, uh, as we mentioned when talking about Mike McCarthy, that, balanced attack of running the football and passing the football. The Patriots defense stepped up in a big way after having so many weeks of stumbling over their own two feet, stumbling over their own feet in front of them and tripping over their own feet as it were. And the Patriots, Tom Brady came out, especially after his stinker of a game that he had last week, Tom Brady came out and he said, you think I should retire yet? Well, watch this against this, you know, top-tier defense to a point, even though they've had a down year so far with the Minnesota Vikings defense. The Patriots are number two. Number one are the Los Angeles Rams, and I don't think it's very close right now. The Los Angeles Rams are firing on all cylinders, and like I said, it's not close. What else can I say besides that? The Los Angeles Rams are sitting pretty pretty right now at that number one spot. And again, after the Patriots stunk it up a week ago, came back against the Vikings, had a pretty sound sound and solid showing. The Rams are like, yeah, you, number two, you guys are back there a little bit. You guys got some work, uh, some catching up to do. All right, everybody, one final topic, our weekly picks. 
I said it at the beginning of the show. Let me state it one more time for everybody so everybody's clear. Taylor had a huge week last week. Let me flip back to give him his credit. Taylor was 10-6. and six. I was... It looks like 8-8. Eight and eight. It looks like 8-8, eight and eight, I think. Uh, I apologize if I got that wrong. Actually, I, I have it written down right here in another spot. Let me look this up here really fast. 2018 bragging rights. Uh, Taylor is down by two. I am up 114 to 78. Taylor is down by, as I said, by two, 113 to 79. So he is down one loss and one win. We are neck and neck as the season tightens up. As a season, I mean, there's a, there's very few weeks left. I love this. I love that we're competing so hard for this, and Taylor is going with Hail Marys to try and catch up, and boy, last week did he ever. So Taylor down by two, one loss, and one win, respect, respectfully. All right, everybody, and thus we go into our weekly picks. We didn't get our weekly pick in for Thursday night on the Facebook and since we weren't able to record on Wednesday or Thursday, we are both going to take the loss in that game. So we will go 0-1 on both. All right, let me pull up the schedule. I, for whatever reason, don't have the schedule up. One moment. Okay, everybody, and here we go. First game. Taylor is taking the Jet Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets. Taylor is taking the Jets. I am taking the Buffalo Bills. Difference number one. Up next. Uh, the New York Giants versus Washington. Taylor is taking Washington. I am taking the Giants. Difference number two. Uh, this one, uh, <laughs> two picks and two differences. This is this might get dicey, everybody. Uh, New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, Taylor and I are both picking the Saints. New England Patriots at Miami Dolphins. We are both taking the Patriots. Baltimore Ravens at Kansas City Chiefs. We are both taking the Chiefs. Okay, we, we started out two differences, and now, now we're going same, same, same. All right. Might not be as dicey as I originally thought, everybody. Indianapolis Colts against the Houston Texans. We are both taking Houston. We are just <laughs> moseying right along here. Atlanta Falcons at Green Bay Packers. There is a difference for us. Taylor is taking Green Bay. I am taking Atlanta. Difference number three. Carolina Panthers at Cleveland Browns. We are both taking the Panthers. Denver Broncos at San Francisco 49ers. We are both taking Denver. Cincinnati Bengals at the Los Angeles Chargers. We are both taking the Chargers. 
Detroit Lions at Arizona Cardinals. Taylor is taking the Lions. I'm actually going to go with the Cardinals. Difference number four. Pittsburgh Steelers at Oakland Raiders. Uh, okay, Taylor's taking the Steelers. I could have swore I saw something different, but nope. I will not do that to him. I will also take Pittsburgh. Philadelphia Eagles at Jerry World. The Dallas Cowboys. Taylor is taking Dallas. I am obviously taking my Philadelphia Eagles. Difference number five. Sunday Night Football. Los Angeles Rams against the Chicago Bears. Taylor's taking the Rams. I am also taking the Rams. Minnesota Vikings, Monday night or Monday night football. Minnesota Vikings at the Seattle Seahawks. Taylor is actually taking the Seattle Seahawks. I am also taking Seattle. Okay. That's week 14 weekly picks in the books with Taylor down two. We have five differences. If everything rolls Taylor's way, he can pull ahead by three. So we will definitely see again. We are neck and neck right now. Very exciting time here on Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. For those of you who may forget or, or are new listeners to the show, when it came down to the Super Bowl and the great Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl win over the New England Patriots, when no one gave the Philadelphia Eagles a shot and everybody said we were going to lose on like Tuesday, but that, that's not here nor there. We were previewing the game. And coming down to it, we were tied. Taylor picked the Eagles like I did. So to spite me, so I couldn't win. This year is very ferocious and very um, on edge. I want to win, everybody, as you can tell. <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. It's all in good fun, but it's a nice rivalry. It's, it's fun. It's a fun thing that we do. So it's all in good fun. All right, everybody. With that said, we've reached the end of global dynasty sports talk radio episode number 87 without Taylor here. It's a shorter show. I don't have anyone to really bounce things off of share ideas with or debate with. So we've reached that end. Uh, as always many ways to contact us, everybody Skype in, Global Dynasty, STR, all one word, Skype, all lowercase, call in, be a guest host for a couple of minutes, talk about whatever you want to talk about, or if you want to debate us, that's fine too. You let us know, and I mean, the show is yours, the ship is yours when you're the guest host. You lead and we will follow. Email in BlakeGlobalDynasty at gmail.com, TaylorGlobalDynasty at gmail.com, and we will respond live on the air. Facebook, our Facebook, Facebook, uh, everything, our home for everything that we do, excuse me, Facebook.com slash Global Dynasty STR. Everything that we do all under one roof. And last but not least, our SoundCloud, our place for all of our episodes, our entire collection, all in one place. SoundCloud.com slash Global Dynasty STR. All you need is an internet connection. All right, everybody. That's it for me. Join us, as always, next week for the next installment of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 88. That's it for me, everybody, and I am out.
Peace. John is thin skin, now he's on his feet.